The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. Imagine there's 
This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. And we're still in Medjugorje, of course, and today is the second of the month, not we'll be broadcasting the message. We already know the message, but because this is Medjinomics, of course, we'll be talking about things that pertain to it. But it's all interrelated, and I did do something very interesting today, which we'll speak about tonight. But it gives you more cognition of truth even though cognition is personal experience, and also you have a prophetic experience and those things from a, a being, which comes from Our Lady. So we see everything in the world today, what, what's, what it is doing and the advances it's making, and it's not Christian values that's advancing. Those who are making the greatest strides are those who are against Christianity. And if we don't prevail... They will. It's amazing how quickly this thing is rooted into the ground and sprouted out. There's a bamboo that grows, I think, it's seven years in the ground. It never sprouts, but it sends roots all over the ground. And suddenly when it comes up, in one year it goes like 50, 60, 70 foot tall. And this is what's happening right now today. We have things that's been brewing. It's so rooted and when it comes out above the surface, we think we can just chop it or stop it. And it just keeps going. You chop it, it grows in two. You chop the two, it turns into four. And so we have something so rooted, we're just not going to reverse this. First of all, because of the way we live. And I read today by Joan shows this. This comes from FamilySecurityMatters.com. It's a September 30th, 2014 article entitled Imagine No Religion and What It Mean Would Mean for Society. We have been struck by the number of attacks on religion and religious freedom over the past several years, not only from the Obama administration, Hobby Lobby, just to name one, but also from various citizens and nonprofit groups at large. Always remember, the founders thought freedom of worship was equally as important as our freedom of speech, freedom of the press, and right to assemble, or else they would not have crammed them all into the First Amendment for all the world to see forever in history. Let's try to look at what America and the world would look, act, and feel like in a totally religionless, non-spiritual realm. Would it be far better or far worse than the America and the world we know today? 
What would we fill that ethical and moral vacuum with now? How would we go about trying to govern ourselves and participate in the world events that they now that all vestiges of religious belief and appealing to a higher order are gone, wiped out from the face of the planet? Some have suggested that we could operate totally under natural law. This is the concept that human beings are such rational beings that each of us can observe things that occur in nature and in the natural order of things and deduce that they are universal and therefore universally held and agreed to by all people. Although it is quite the stretch, let's assume that every single person now living in America has the capacity to observe and learn and think rationally at all times. Apparently, this would also assume that people do not ever make rash decisions born out of anger or emotion, and they take their own sweet time to analyze every situation and deduce what is the right decision to make for the optimal outcome each and every time. Be that as it may, how would our American Republic look and operate on a daily basis differently from what we have today? Would we see such second-chance laws, such as American bankruptcy statutes, that have to be one of the most lenient in the history of the world? Or would people be thrown into debtor's prison for failing to pay back loans as people were as recently as the 19th century? Would we see any sort of assumed innocent until proven guilty statutes in the criminal code, plus repeated avenues for appeals upon appeals upon appeals, as we see in American jurisprudence? Or would we see immediate meeting out of justice, such as shooting alleged criminals at dawn or death by hanging in the public square? Would we see any massive outpouring of generous, philanthropic, financial support for the millions of people who go to charitable and church-based hospitals, schools, colleges, shelters, and food banks? Or would rich people just keep it all to themselves and consume billions of dollars somehow themselves? We all hope that without any religious beliefs, the better angels of our nature would show up on a second-by-second basis in our daily corporate and community lives, don't we? But if nature gives us any clues as to how religionless human beings might act, the chances are pretty high that a religionless society would produce the following results with terrifying ramifications, not only for the United States, but for the world at large. The strongest and smartest will always prevail and keep and eat all that they kill or create in a business, for example. No profit-sharing plans for employees, no health benefits, no pensions. Work for the corporation till you drop and then good luck later in life. Colonies would form to support the queen bee at the head of every city, business, or entity. Your identity would be solely related to supporting the king or the president of any state or locality, much like the feudal kingdoms used to operate in the dark ages of England. When people get sick, much like the weakest in the herd, they would be left behind to fend for themselves. No one would take the risk of treating a patient, particularly if they have a deadly disease, such as Ebola virus, which we have already witnessed Christian medical missionaries who are willing to risk their own lives to fly to Africa to treat victims of that dreaded disease, there for no other reason than it was the right thing to do. 
We would go on forever translating the dog-eat-dog or Darwinian principles we can easily observe in the animal kingdom and apply them to our own daily human experience. Suffice it to say that left to our own devices based solely on human nature and inherent hardwired DNA and chromosomes, it is unlikely that human beings would act on much else other than their own self-interest and survival, especially when it came to competing with others for scarce food or resources. Is that really the way you want to see the United States of America work on a daily basis without any religious or higher order reference underpinning at all? You might want to think seriously about that before you answer it. And of course, we're inheriting a religious religious list, United States of America and the rest of the world. And fanatics are taking over with religion. We vacated a position in the United States of America where we are so coy, uh, covert, rather, with our religion that we let others prevail over it. I was just telling one of our lady, ladies from Switzerland, originally from Switzerland, she lived in Saudi Arabia for five years. And she said what it was like was incredible. You, as soon as you get to the airport, if you were on a cross, you have to take it off. They take it from you. And she says they do all their prayers. And when you go to meet in other houses, which they were doing, you had to do it, of course, of course in secret. She said they bring in Bibles and they change the cover so it looked like another book so they wouldn't get caught. But if you did, you went immediately to jail. No trial, no courts, no nothing. And so we have these things starting to prevail in our own country and also around the world. She said when she landed in Kennedy Airport, she couldn't believe the sign above was something for the Muslims about prayer. I don't recall exactly what she said it was acknowledging their prayer rooms where they could all go and nothing about Christianity right there in New York. It's on the side somewhere. Because we placate others thinking that we're not a Christian nation rather than say you've got a a right to practice your faith. But that faith, if we don't prevail over it, will prevail over us. It's not talking about human dignity. We're called to evangelize and evangelization of the Christian faith is to go to the ends of the earth. How come, we have to ask the question, how come that's not taking place? And so imagine what John Lennon wrote, where there's no religion. Imagine that. All the earth would be hell. Where is the earth headed to right now? It's headed to the fires of hell. We see everything under judgment. We see everything falling apart this way. Our Lady today on our second month message alluded to that, and we'll go into that tonight. But it's an amazing thing that we have so much power with the godless over us who are with God because they have more faith in what they believe and know God than we act out our faith and our belief in God. And they prevail and we lose. They're so rooted that the bamboo's not shooting in one place. They've got places all over the place. We turn around we get shoots coming up behind us and in front of us all around. And our Christian roots are very shallow. It's on the surface. It's regular bamboo. We can be cut down, and we're slower to grow. So they're outgrowing us because we out, they're outwitnessing their own belief, and it is a belief, atheism, or people that don't know the love of God, or those who are so fanatical in their religion that they hate Christianity. 
prevail simply because we aren't. And so we have to grow back to holiness. Our whole lady's, our lady's whole plan in Medjugorje is simply that. To root us, we come do it. She said on the 25th, which you know by now, to be like the stars which by their light give light and beauty to others that they may rejoice because they're not happy. ISIS is not happy. They're full of hatred. Hatred prevails. Where there is no charity, there's no love. Where there's no love, there's no God. And where there's no God, there will be hatred. There's a void. So as we grow more religiousless, we turn what we some believe into religion, something where they can behead people in favor of, of a, a belief system, then we're headed for trouble. And so it is we see all these years our lady's been appearing to prepare us for exactly what we're into, into now. This writing Joan just read, it'd be nice if everybody read if the people live by natural law and nature's law and nature's God. But if they say, okay, we do with that religion, we'll just live by natural law, who's going to abide by that? Because it's not going to be nature's law. It's going to be their law, what they interpret nature's law to be. And that's our problem today. We don't have people, even in the even in the church, interpreting the biblical mandates except by relative truth. What is re- related to that individual and what they believe, and they believe this is to be true. Everybody has some morals. It doesn't mean they're good morals. It's their scruples or what they believe, even if it's false. And they see them as virtuous. People don't see themselves as some of the, the, the low life they may be. And that's simply because nobody looks at them that way. If they did, they'd be confessing. They'd be repentant. But they see no wrong. They see no problem with these things. And so we have confronting us this growing power that is relentlessly knocking on our door and that we can't stop. And everywhere we turn, we're being defeated. And we think, well, we'll just keep practicing our faith. You're not going to be allowed to keep practicing your faith. This lady from Switzerland said that they would just go in 15, 20 houses in, in uh, Saudi Arabia, knock the doors down, and carry everybody off to jail. And she says nobody knows where they are. Nobody can find them. And they don't know what happened to them. She said this is going on and on and on right now. And this is the one that's supposed to be more of an ally to us. And so we hear things, uh, actually we just got through listening to a clip Joan was playing earlier of the, uh, was it the bishop in Iraq? It, it was a priest in Iraq. A priest in Iraq. And he's speaking out against ISIS. He's got 35 Iraqi military officials guarding him. And he was asked in the, in the audio by journalists, what do you think about these Iraqi troops protecting you? He said, well, I asked one this morning, if you were attacked, what are you going to do? And he told this priest, I'm going to take my uniform off. Which I thought was a dangerous thing to even air because this priest is well known in Iraq and they have a bounty on his head, a contract to kill him. And it wasn't probably the right thing to do for the journalists even to release this because then now everybody knows, hey, if we're going to attack this this priest who's doing what Cardinal Galen did in World War II and he spoke out against Hitler and he never was quiet. He kept speaking out and Hitler was, and he had such popularity that Hitler knew he couldn't kill him so he killed other priests. 
But by him saying this is a dangerous thing, that they're just going to change their, their, their uniforms and get in civilian clothes. He said, well, why? why? Why would you not defend? And they said, well, we need the money. They're only doing this for money. So nobody's safe. 35 military officials walking around one priest you think would be safe. They're going to change clothes. They're going to take run. They're there for money. They're not even there for mercenary. They don't want to fight. And so we're going to get mowed down if we don't grow in holiness. That's the only thing that's going to defend us because if we're holy, God defends us and he protects us. Doesn't mean we're well, scriptural. Jesus says, don't worry what you're to say. Holy Spirit will put the words in your mouth what to say. Don't even prepare for it. And he says, you won't be harmed, not a hair on your head. And this is almost humorous what the Bible says. Not a hair on your head will be harmed, even if they kill you. What? This is available to us. But the way God sees death, and the way we see it, it's not always the same. Now, the direction the world is going, and without venturing into the message that Our Lady gave uh, earlier today, um, but, but just to touch on some of the things that you've just spoken about just now, but I, I, know, I know that you've mentioned before that you believe that what the future holds if we don't, if the direction doesn't change, uh, just just a couple of days ago, you were giving a talk here to our Caritas Pilgrimage group, and you mentioned to them that it would be, um, if things don't change, it would be as in the days of Sodom. They'll be, they'll be beating your door down. Listening to what this woman told you about what's happening in Switzerland sounds like it's already heading that direction. Now, you were speaking more of, a, of in a slightly different vein, but it's somewhat the same thing. I guess my question is, is with everything that's happening, Iraq and all the different things that are happening throughout the world. Do you think that, uh, number one, people are just going to simply convert and things are going to change? Do you believe that um, that there's going to be something that's going to make people convert, an event or something that's going to happen or take place? And just, you know, we have things that people send to us all the time. We get a lot of things people send to us that are, that are political things. You know, so-and-so is going to run for office now. They're going to change what's happening in Washington and all these different things. And it seems like wherever wherever people are turning, there's no solution wherever they're turning. So in your mind, what you're seeing in prayer, what Our Lady's showing in the message, what what exactly do you think is going to make the change happen? Well, Our Lady said everything's passing, and the political thing and the political room that's making our remedies come through that has passed. It's not passing. It is passed. Forget it. Nothing's going to change the course we're on. It's not within the law. It's not even within the scope of law to change things. It doesn't matter what we write. It doesn't matter what we change. It can't do it. It can only come to the human heart at this point. And until man gets that, he's going to continue to go the path. So forget the political. Say, so, well, you're supposed to be a good citizen and vote. It doesn't work anymore. It's not going to work. It can't work. You have to do something grassroots on some vote. And if you want to do something, that's when they find the first shot. But in this game that we're playing right now, that our lady is orchestrating, there's three last plays in it. And the game that is being played on the, on the stage is worldwide between three worlds, heaven, the earth, and hell. And that's, of course, August 2nd, 81. 
A great struggle is about to unfold between my son and Satan, human soldier at stake. There is a game going on, a battle, a struggle between two opponents. We are in the middle. We're the ball. Either Jesus is carrying the ball one way or Satan's carrying it the other way. And there's a wrestling for each and every soul that's taking place in this game. The three plays that's taking place is that we have to understand that we can't be reached. There's people out there that cannot be reached. So there's going to be some incentive to have something that causes people to pause and wait to see which side and which way they want the ball to be carried in their own heart towards Satan and toward Jesus. So I said in the 25th message, the little children also be the radiance, beauty, and joy and peace. And especially pray for all those who are far from my love and the love of my son. You have to attract them to go your way to your side of the field. And it's with your life. And that's not even the play because the three last plays is going to have apostles all over the world who are radiant, who are joy, who carry the beauty of peace that will attract people who have gone so far and so much in the middle, so many out of bounds, that it will come to a point where enough of these seeds are spread throughout the earth that then the first play happens, and that's the first admonition. Whatever that's going to be, it's going to get our attention. That's the first play. That play will gain yardage both ways. Either you go toward the devil more or you go more toward God. But for the most part, most will turn toward God. After that play's run, you got a second play, the second admonition. After that happens, you're going to gain more people toward God, and you're going to take the ball, and there's going to be some interceptions from Satan, and we're going to have it on our side. And these are going to be are, are huge signs to people. The ones who don't are going to have to outright reject God. And then the third play, of course, is the sign on the mountain, the final play of the game, that you have to decide which way you're going to be. And even Yaakov said, even the highest society in the highest society would run up to the sign, up the mountain. And he was taken, he said, the president. At that time, he meant the mayor of the city here, or in Chitlut, I think, a reference into a city of Mostar or something. They would run up, because at that time, they were communists. But even they would run up to the hill. But then our lady also adds to this third play, don't wait for the sign, because it'd be too late. Because many who have loves what Satan has given to them are going to be so touched by holding on to what they have that they're going to outright reject God, outright reject the first admonition and the second chastisement and the third admonition, which is a sign. You say, how can that be? They did it to Jesus. Even a physical sign manifested on the mountains here in Medjugorje that will last to the end of the world and everybody knows it's going to be supernatural doesn't mean people are going to, everybody's going to convert. Lucifer was the greatest angel in heaven above all of them. He trumped St. Michael. He saw God. He was with God. And he let a little germ of pride in his, in his being. And it grew and it grew and it grew. He infected others and they grew and grew. And he rebelled against God. So you've got to realize there's people that no matter what, and no matter what they do or what they see or how much supernatural abilities is done to reach them, even your radiance, even you giving your life, that will not convert. And our second Lucifer, Judas, actually it was Cain, 
The second Cain was Judas. They walked, Cain walked in the beginning with the cool evening with his parents. Actually, they'd already fallen at that point, but he had the stories. Certainly his parents would tell. And Judas walked with God himself in the flesh, the man God. So don't think because the third sign's going to be here, everybody will convert. It won't, or they won't. So we're faced with, with catastrophic situations or causes that will have effects from the cause that's catastrophic. So there's a great division coming. These three plays are the last thing that's going to do the great separation to say where you're going to be, the wheat or the chaff. What's going to be thrown in the power and burn and what's going to be on the other way? Is it the end of the world? No, because Ali says you have a possibility. This is 1999 and December 25th, just a few days before the millennium of 2000. A big thing to be alive during a change from 1900s all the way, from, well, 1,088 and 188 to, to 1999. Ten centuries. We lived in this moment, which in itself connotates that something big going to happen because a million turns over. You look to God, you see the signs, you see what's happening. And what happened at that point? We change over to it. And we go in this whole phase with Our Lady, even stronger. And people aren't looking. They're still seeking Jesus. The consequences of having Jesus but they don't want him. They don't want to have the faith in him because the price is too hard to pay. And so we have a rejection of everything God's offering to us at this moment. And he's coming to us in this special time of grace because she wants us to witness our faith, our prayer and joy, and in that be reflected in our hearts and that we show others this is a precious gift that they might obtain the same thing from us. So we're in the consequences of a cause by that causes an effect of what we're supposed to be for Our Lady to win these souls over before these three plays happen. Because once that happens, it's just going to unfold. Our Lady says between one to the next is going to be a short period of time, maybe a year. When she says short, it doesn't mean two days. Probably a year, because 9-11 brought everybody on both sides of the camp, liberal, right, conservative, different people, different colors, everything together, united them in New York, to a catastrophic event that lasted maybe two, three, or four months before his division came back to him. Within a year, they're all fighting each other again. This fighting shows a human nature in people and in our, in our humanness that when God acts, we respond to that effect, but it wears out pretty quick. And so... That's why there's going to be a short interval and you have three in a row because there'll be no more excuse to not believe in these apparitions. You will not be excused for erasing it. But now before John asks the question, so in summary, what you're saying is three events are going to take place. These three events, the secrets of Medjugorje, what you're referring to, the first, second, and third circuit, are going to be the events that is going to fundamentally alter the whole world and change the direction we're going. It is, but there's, there's preliminary things. When you go to play your game, you already got your strategies, you got your plans, you got things going to happen. There's several judgments that's taking place. One of them is going to be an economic downturn, much more than makes 2008 look silly. But that will bring people to, to the knees. That brings people to God. It makes them ready for the events 
that is the final last three things that's going to happen to change this world around. And I'm not saying the three things are the final things. That's to decide where we're going to be. Because after that, and we go with God, and we've seen that we've built this ugly world, what it's turned into is something beautiful, part of God's nature and himself, his very, his very uh, essence that we soiled, that there's purification after that. Of course, there's ten secrets. And we know Mary Allen has seen several of them just was is distraught. In fact, our lady said if it gets too heavy for you after she quit appearing to her, if you, if, uh, you pray, I'll come to you. Or she gave her a special allowance because what she, uh, an allowance because what she saw is so heavy on her. She felt like sometimes she might die. She got so de- desperate, and that our lady would come to her. And so, we know these things. Not just those three things. We we can anticipate those won't be before. It'd be after because the world needs purification. But before purification in God's mercy, what does he want? He wants everybody that's going to be purified to already be designed for him that they know how to interpret this purification as atonement. We owe this for the sins we've committed. Lord, just give it to us. So when we love God, we confess to God, and we go to confession of your Protestant, you repent, you still will atone for what you've done. If you stole money, you've got to return that to who you stole it from even though you're forgiven for it, because it's part of atonement. So breaking the Ten Commandments, you're, you're in debt for something. We say Jesus paid all the debt. It's true. He gave you redemption. But you still atone for those things. Otherwise, if, if you didn't have to atone, if I didn't have to atone, let's go sin and go confession, then it's over with. We don't have to pay any price for it. What, what do we go to purgatory? Some people don't agree with uh, that. The Protestants don't say that's purgatory. Of course, they don't have Judas Maccabees. Purgatory exists. And used to we teach limbo. We have four four regions of, of the afterlife that exist. You got hell, you got purgatory, you got limbo, and you got heaven. Limbo is people that had never had the opportunity to accept Christ, but they're good people, they had virtue. And purgatory and limbo is gonna be wiped away one day. And you all only have two places you're gonna go, heaven or hell. And so those people, there's still people waiting in expectations. We don't even teach this in the church anymore. The babies who weren't baptized. And there was no baptism by desire for that. And we've got people who, in their, their life, they live goodwill, and they choose goodwill or wicked will, that they never were able to profess the Christ, that we have a place of expectation, that they go through these centuries and pre-centuries of Christ, that they're in waiting. And at the final judgment, they all will be marching into heaven, or they'll all be ordered down to the cast in hell. It's a wonderful thing when you think about with the church. I don't even know why we don't teach this anymore. It's like everybody's scared to explain it. They don't know how to explain it anymore. We've lost something in theology or something so complex that, well, maybe not. No, Limbo, we've taught this for, for nine centuries, or, or 19 centuries. You know, in the 40s and 50s, we just quit talking about it a little bit. I mean, I still learned that in grammar school from the nuns. And nobody even mentions it now, because like, maybe... Purgatory is offensive to some people, so let's not go to limbo. But for the people who say, well, if you don't profess Jesus Christ, you're going to hell, that's not justice, and that's not mercy. But if they had virtue, more so than a Christian who had wickedness and professed Christ but didn't have the virtue, then who will be saved? One will end up going to purgatory or either hell, and the one that didn't know the Christ is in a place of expectation that they can come to know him, you know, and spend eternity with him. 
Injustice, maybe not now, but that's going to happen. You wrote in one of the seven novenas that Satan is wanting to sow seeds of hopelessness and despair. And we can see this increasing in the world today, that it's, it's easy for people to look at the news of today and just give up or be filled with fear, be almost paralyzed with fear. And you've also said that you don't look at the world situation as your daily news, but what's going on in your own home. And that is the balance of, of not having your head in the sand, but um, being able to look at life with hope. And so even as things get dark daily, dark more dark daily, um, this is this is the remedy. Is that what you would? Is that the advice that you would give to people? What What is the remedy? What is the remedy to the hopelessness that Satan is sowing in all of the well, bad news of today? It's, it's not just a remedy; it's an answer, and the answer is Mary. It's the message. She would be given messages and, and core these so so strongly into her apparitions. When she came and told Bernadette, "I'm in the Immaculate Conception." That wasn't so much to core that into us because the church has already declared that. She's coming different here to give us a whole guideline how to live in a modern world that dazzles us, occupies us, completely overtakes our mind and our thoughts and leads us throughout the day. We are led daily and everywhere with electronics. And it's antichrist because there's only one way the antichrist can rule, can control. He can't do it through military. He can't do it through armies. He can kill and maim and take and steal and everything else that goes with that. But he can't control. You can have soldiers all you want to in every house, and people are still going to do what they want to do in some ways, or escape, or even some of the soldiers will align themselves with those people they're guarding, even if the enemy. We've heard that from Russian soldiers help people, and so the worst enemies sometimes help, or Germans help some Jews sometimes, even soldiers. You're always going to have that. But to have a system, an antichrist system like we have right now, that you can be controlled by everything you eat, drink, see, and movement, follow, all by Trump. You can buy nor sell anything without the mark. We're there, and it's hopeless. And it wouldn't take very many switches to be turned right now to sit there and say, hey, you worship the beast, and that beast may not be called like that. It might be just saying, your wealth, your direction, everything has to be turned more toward um, humanism in some disguised way that you can accept it for the greater good of all the culture, which can be the beast itself, a system. It's not just a man that identifies himself as Antichrist, but a system. And we're there. We are, we are adoring a system in many ways. And it would take nothing. You go to Walmart, they run your check, they pull money out of your checking account. You got your credit cards. You could be wiped out in two seconds if the wrong people got in control, and we got wrong people in control now. They just say, you will not do any business. You are marked as one that is not marked. It's been cleared by code 666, which is only symbolic in this sense, I'm saying. It could be anything. That you're not going to be allowed to participate in the commerce system. This system 
can be started tomorrow, even today. So there's a lot of reasons not to have hope. But there's a lot of reasons to have hope because the message is the answer, and that's where you'll find all solutions for it. Frank's not with us today because we're, of course, in Medjugorje, but his contact information, Rios can give, and um, and this is about the system and getting away from the system because you want to have something that's intrinsically of value, and that's why we, we came up with the miraculous Metal Medjugorje round, silver round, one-ounce piece, to turn your wealth into that. But that's not real wealth. That's the holding. That's putting the... That you're not eating meat when you put it in the freezer. You're not doing anything with wealth if you just put it in silver. The best place is land. The best thing you can do with land is grow grass. The best thing the grass can do is feed the cow. And the best thing the cow can do is give you some milk and give you beef. You might temporarily hold that silver to get to that point. You might temporarily hold that beef in a freezer that you can eat later. So you want to eat now, and you really want to go straight from what your wealth is in the land. But you can't do that immediately. But one thing you can do is safeguard your wealth and hold it in something that has intrinsic value, though it goes up and down. It cannot lose value. And it's a system God made in a rarity. The man has always used it as his exchange, silver and gold, these two metals that has always been of value and will never be valueless. Frank's contact information. You can reach Frank Williams at Global Silver Investors uh, at yahoo.com. Again, that's Global Silver Investors at yahoo.com. The phone number is 877-936-7686. Again, that's 877-936-7686. The website is globalsilverinvestors.com, and there's general information on the website. And again, the, this is you could contact Frank Williams. It's Global Silver Investors with any questions that you might have regarding exchanging your means of exchange that you have right now, whether it be your 401k, retirement, or savings, into something in a temporary measure until you can get to a simpler way of life. So again, that's Frank Williams at Global Silver Investors. A world devoid of religion. I remember being very young as a teenager and hearing about the Beatles, this new group that came out. I remember where I was. We was in the back behind where a pool where we grew a swim pool where we grew up. We wasn't wealthy. Uh, we dug the thing ourselves, and my dad said, "Y'all dig it, and y'all work. You can, you can do it." And he he did it. It was we were the only people blocks and blocks around that had their own poo. And we was in a typical, almost a row house type neighborhood. But I remember standing back there, and this guy Craig Moore came up and says, "There's this new group called the Beatles," and it just captivated everybody's attention. I didn't, when he played a song, I want to hold your hand. I think there was a song, maybe the first songs. I didn't think it was that big a deal. But none of us could imagine that we'd run around singing, singing the song John Lennon and not think. We just didn't think because we were grabbing home to life or we were getting into the new inventions and going to race to the moon. So just imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. And that's where we are. A teacher in high school said this was a communist song. And we almost balked at that because we didn't have enough experience in prayer to see what we were singing and what was being cored into us that now has infruited from all those roots from the 60s, the 70s, 80s, the 90s to now, that this big bamboo shoots going up across the whole world. 
toward a sky where we say there's no God in society and we are second rate in our belief that there is. So with your life, join us tonight that you might learn how to be that light of the stars. Wish Our Lady. We love you. Goodbye.
The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the October 2, 2014 Radio Wave Medjinomic Show with a friend of Medjugorje. To listen or download free, go to medj.com, spelled M-E-J dot com. Go to the left-hand menu under Radio Wave and click on Past Shows. You can also order this show on CD by contacting Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000. Thank you for listening.